A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax. And think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Something's lurking at the edge of the park. People be warned, people beware. There's a storm on the rise and it's covered in hair. Hear him cry, hear him howl. Looking for someone to disembowel. Claws like a hook, eyes like coal. Feet so big they're gonna crush your soul. They call him Sasquatch. Good morning. This is Siawi Central. Welcome to the show. You're listening to 94.9 Main FM and I'm Sarah Vignal. Yaoi Central is where you'll hear the latest on Yaoi research in Australia and you'll get to explore the fascinating realm of Bigfoot, Sasquatch and cryptozoology from here and around the world. And because there's all sorts of strange and mysterious phenomena going on out there, We also delve into paranormal encounters, UFO sightings, orbs, psychic intuitives, demons and spirits, because let's face it, weird is fascinating. Last week, we ventured down the cryptozoology rabbit hole to hear about a very strange goblin, golem-like creature spotted eating kitchen scraps outside a kitchen window near Esk in Queensland. So I thought I'd start this week's show on the same weird cryptid theme and share a story of a different kind of cryptid creature. If you've been listening to the show for some time, you will have heard the Yowie Central episodes that featured Jesse Turner, my very good mate and Yowie enthusiast, who has had his own Yowie sighting and several other encounters as well. Jesse used to live in Wiseman's Ferry, New South Wales, and he goes back there regularly to catch up with friends. Uh, and in an earlier Yowie Central episode, Jesse told us about his friend who had seen a Mimi, a very strange stick-like being, but not a stick insect. On one of his last visits, he caught up with his friend Max who very kindly agreed to share his sighting with the Yowie Central listeners. This is Jesse's first crack at interviewing a witness, and he did a fantastic job. Keep in mind that this interview was done on location and not in a studio, so there's a little bit of background noise, which I've tried to minimise, uh, but I can't remove it altogether. Despite that, though, it is a fascinating story. And language warning for little ears. Okay, my humans, this is Jesse Turner and I'm sitting with my good friend Max, who's had an incredible encounter with a bizarre beastie. So a big thank you to Max for agreeing to talk with us and share his encounter. So Max, to start off with, I'd like you to go through the entire encounter, from where you were, what you were doing, all the way through to how you found out what the creature's called by Aboriginals. I was living on a, on a property in the Hawkesbury area and I discovered a cave like um, that was 
in the bush behind where I was staying, maybe uh, 200 metres up the hill or so, and, and it was a little bit tricky to get to. Like it was a nice little secluded spot, and so I thought it'd be a good place to build some swales and and start um, like growing some vegetables and and looking at um, being able to stay in the cave a little bit. So I was moving stuff up there and like regularly each day, and there was two. I'm going to describe them as boulders that you had to walk through, um, sort of slip around and, and walk up a, a little bit of a, a ramp or a staircase in the rocks to the next plateau um, where I was growing the gardens. And one day I walked through the between these boulders and I was carrying something heavy. And when I got into the, like the opening of the plateau, I put the stuff down and something flashed like in the corner of my vision and drew my eye. And I realized what I'd seen is there's a, a big crack in like uh, the next rock face past the plateau. So maybe you know, another 20 meters away. And it's maybe like a three meter tall steep rock. So like cliff face type rock, you know what I mean? Like you, you, you couldn't, like it's just vertical. Um, mm. And it had a crack down the middle of it and something had just shot out of this crack about a little bit further than halfway up the height of the, the rock. And it drew my eye and I, and I saw it and it was just a, a straight stick creature with like two arms, two legs and a body a little bit thicker than a, um, a broom handle or like as thick as a thick broom handle, you know, like... By the time my attention's looking at it, right, it's there on the on the rock, and it takes two steps up and looks over its left shoulder at me, and then disappears over the top of the rock. I didn't like; I had no comprehension of what this thing was. It was it was just skinny as a stick, right? Like the whole, the, all of it. And so I started asking people, "Has anyone heard of like a, a, a monster, a stick creature, or?" is there Aboriginal stories about this sort of thing at all? Like the, the only thing in my mind that I could th- think of was a book that I read like in primary school by P- Percy Treasy about Quinkins and something else, right? And there's little round people and there's big, tall, skinny people. But the tall, skinny people are, are super tall, right? And they've got <laughs> like heads like a shape, like a, a club off a, you know, you know, like playing cards, right? Like yep. space, like a club, like that's there. And this thing's head wasn't shaped like a club, like a clover, you know, the clover shape or whatever I'm trying to say. Um, yeah. yeah. At all. And, and, and it wasn't super tall. It was, it was, it was a meter tall, maybe a little bit more than a meter. But so I was asking everybody I knew uh, or anyone I thought might have information like who knows an Aboriginal elder? Who knows somebody from this area? Who who knows anybody that's heard Dreamtime stories? Like, can someone help me out here? And I, I was talking to one of my friends who grew up on a sheep station in like uh, outback New South Wales, and he goes, "Oh yeah, I guess I know what you're talking about. They're mermaids." Goes, they hide behind trees because they're scared of getting broken by the wind. I'm like, "What?" Yeah, yeah, mermaid, and I'm like. Bro, this thing wouldn't have been scared about the wind. Like, this thing would have taken the rock apart. Like, it was the toughest looking thing I've ever seen, you know? Like, chainsaw would have broken its teeth on it. But I looked up Mimi and I found pictures of creatures, right? And and I started going through them and I ended up finding maybe two or three that looked like what I saw. So then I was like, yeah, well, it's like there is a thing like this. Like, it's not a... It's not something like I've ever seen before, any, like in a movie or any. Like I haven't haven't imagined it somewhere else and gone. Oh, I'm going to translate this into like it, it was just bizarre, you know. No frame of reference. Yeah, yeah. No, that's it. I remember when we first spoke. I had so much trouble picturing what you were talking about because um, stick creature can mean anything. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot of people ask me. They're like, "It was a stick insect, right? They get big." I'm like. 
fuck off. <laughs> it's not a stick insect, man. Like, it wasn't an insect. Yeah. You know? It wasn't a goanna. It wasn't a, anything else. It was a, a creature, like, is not in any books, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and no frame of reference. Never heard of it before, but there it was in front of you. Well, I guess for, for the listeners, because I understand it was a very quick encounter, yeah. probably how many seconds would you imagine? Not even, like, it was a second at the most, like right? Second, it was it all flashed out. out and then it just, like I noticed it right, from the flash, but he's already there. And then he just goes, one, two, right? Looks over his shoulder and then he's gone. Like I don't even, like like going over the top, I can't remember him going over the top, right? I remember him looking and just being gone, you, you know? Yeah, so quick. How long would you say it just its torso was? Your best guesstimation. So I'm, I'm looking at a, a 1,200 long spirit level here and the whole creature, man, I reckon his body was a meter, like from the top of his head to to where his tailbone or yeah, his ass was, you know, like. So you said that his, his entire torso and his arms and legs were all basically just a little bit thicker in diameter than a broom handle. Would you say that in comparison to his body, the arms and legs were quite similar in in sort of... My impression, like what I remember... Okay, so see, see that brown stick there, bro? Right? He wasn't as thick as that, but he was only just a little bit less. So he was, he was between that and the white one beside it, right? It, so you know what I mean? Just a bit thicker than a broom handle, right? Like, yep. But... but all of him was made out of the same piece of conduit. You know what I mean? Like they didn't they didn't get a 20 mil bit and then go, we're going to have 15 or 18s for the arms. It was just 20, 20, 20, you know, all, all the way. Okay, so would you say that the arms and legs were in proportion to its body the same as a human? The length of them was, yeah. Yeah, so... Exactly. The, the length of its body was the same as a human's body. But he didn't have shoulders. His arms came directly off, like his spine, right? And he didn't have hips. His his legs shot directly out of his his spine, right? So he's just a straight piece. This here is exactly the diameter of his body, I reckon. Right, that's it. Right, slightly thicker than a broom handle, right? Gotcha. But see, this is slightly thinner. Okay, it goes. Nearly in it, but mm. his arms weren't. Uh, oh, okay. Do you know what? Maybe they were, but for me, it just all looks that thick. Okay, so for the listeners, Max is describing what appears to be 25 mil or just about perfectly an inch in diameter. Okay, so you mentioned that the arms and legs were in proportion to the body as if it was a human, but it didn't have shoulders or hips. Did you notice hands or feet? No. No, nothing. <laughs> Um, didn't notice a tail. Didn't have a tail. Didn't have a tail. Unless the tail was like straight along its back or, or down. Like, otherwise it was it was like a human, right? Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So describe the head. It's like a like a motorcycle helmet, sort of, but more a motocross style helmet, like a little bit with a grill in the front or something, you know, like. And you mean that in terms of how its mouth looked? There, there seemed to be strange. Oh, it's, its mouth looked like like it was all black, right? But it had, I think, tiny flecks of white, like like little sort of slivers, or like a like a, a stick that's been burnt to charcoal, and it still has a little bit of white bits, some places on it, you know, like ash, like the ash on a stick when it's yeah. been burnt. You know what I mean? Like it's like most of it's all black, but there's just a little bit of like just white here or there, you know, and. And so his eyes had that same white sort of look, like downturned little crescent moons, and his mouth looked like scribbled or, yeah, just like a mash of this, like little little flecks of white or whatever, you know? But like, like I don't know if his mouth was open or closed or like, like, like that's all. It just, there was more of the fucking white where his mouth was. I guess. Gotcha. So there's some sort of, some sort of, your original words were some sort of crazy shit going on <laughs> in the mouth. 
So you also described me almost like a, a cartoonish zigzag. There was some sort of something strange with the mouth that managed yeah, to catch yeah. your eye. Like yeah, so like a mo- motorbike grill. Yeah, or, or like grill. or like somebody whose lips have been stitched together. Like 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 you know what I mean. Like draw yeah. what you can from those couple of examples, and it's yeah. it's, it's, it's a mix of them. Yeah, so very strange, very strange, and. So you said the eyes were sort of diagonal slits with a bit of a, a twist to them, like a moon. Yeah, like they, they definitely pointed from the from the side of the head down towards the nose area, right? I didn't see a nose, but but I, I had the impression that they had like a some sort of crescent or, or, or like they weren't just straight lines, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah so there's a shape to them. So you didn't see a nose, didn't see ears? No. No, no ears. And you said the head was obviously quite bulbous looking compared to the body. Bigger than a cricket ball? Smaller than a soccer ball? Like what's the ball in between them, right? Like like it was – the head was a little bit too big for the thinness of its body, right? Mm. So did you see an eyebrow ridge at all? No. The, the, so when it looked at me, the, the – the face looked completely flat, like 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 a, a, a like it looked like a motorbike helmet with nothing. Like the the features were drawn on the visor of the motorbike helmet, like it was right. there was no definition, no depth, or uh, anything like that that I could could add to it at all. Like that's why the motorbike helmet was the thing that I thought, you know? Right. And so you described the eyes, were they on the front of the face or sort of to the sides? <laughs> they were our eyes are, but like they were pointing down. Right. Yeah. So bizarre. So you didn't notice ears, teeth. Well, the mouth was that thing that I tried to talk to it, yep. you know, like it's indescribable. Yeah. Very, very strange. So as far as the jaw, did you notice any features about the jaw? There's no jaw to speak of, right? No ears or or brow or cheekbones because my memory is like a motorbike helmet with with eyes and and scribble for a mouth. Like, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So as far as the body, did you discern any? Was it hairy? Was it scaled? Was it? It wasn't hairy. It wasn't scaled or anything like that. Like. But being prompted, it meant like it was tougher than rock. The, the impression that I got over it was that this thing could could just walk through a, like like it's it, it's the toughest thing out there. There's these finger like there's these holes in the rocks around where um, the cave is, right? Where I was like hanging out, and um, uh, like I'm a stonemason. Uh, by trade and these holes look like they've been made by a finger when the rock was still wet like it wasn't formed because the the hole is there and the ridge lines and ripples of the displaced matter whatever is is all like outside of the hole, like so a, it's like, like extruded around a finger yeah, that's been pushed in. Yeah, or like a, like a crater, like around a, 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 a rock sheeted, or you know something like. Um, but now there's the whole rest of the rock there, right? And the rest of the rock's been eroded away, and there's still this finger hole with a ridge around it, or maybe the finger hole's facing upside down, like. And, and uh, so I'm trying to think, okay, how do rocks form, right? Like, you know, sedimentary or, or like whatever. Like, you know, the only thing I could figure is maybe it was wet and a pebble fell in there, right? And mate, like, how many pebbles have fallen in these bloody rocks? There's a lot of them around the place, right? So it's quite a bizarre sight seeing these finger holes and you you were... I thought they were finger holes, yeah. right? <laughs> like, and when I, when I did see this creature, I went... If anything could poke a rock and make a finger hole in it, that's him right there. Right. Have you have you seen these sort of features on any other rocks ever, like these no. finger holes? No. No. And being a stonemason, you're sort of you pay attention. I haven't seen them anywhere else, right? Like I look yeah. at rocks everywhere, like like yeah. other people look at girls, you know. <laughs> gotcha. So it's definitely something interesting that's drawn you to the area, and 
we can't really say whether that creature does it or not, but it's interesting that you'd see these features only here and this creature only here. Bro, that's what tripped me out. Because I'm spinning out going, oh, how come what makes fucking finger holes in rocks? But I don't think I manifested a creature that can do it just because I was curious about finger holes in rocks. Yeah, gotcha. So can you describe your reaction and feelings in the moment of seeing it, or I guess the seconds after? Uh, I just looked at him. like, uh, like I, I saw it, and, and then it disappeared, and I just put down whatever I was carrying through the, the little like boulder thing um i just thought oh that's um that's that's not something that like this is an unusual set of events here right now you know i thought i'm gonna not keep on carrying this stuff up to the cave today and i'm gonna probably just have a think about things so i went back home back down where i was staying yeah must have been a shock. It sounds like it took you a bit of a while. You you sort of headed home to to pull apart what's just happened and try and figure out. I thought I'd give him time to get away. So, <laughs> well, from the way you described him, looking tough enough to destroy rock, it makes sense that you'd um, leave him be. Yeah. So people who come forward and stand by what they've seen show a strength of character that I inherently respect. And I think that people who display this sort of quality probably have opinions that should be heard. So I'd like to know if you have any gut feelings that stand out about this encounter. Could be its intentions, what it was doing, anything like that. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. He didn't, it didn't look like it was angry with me or going to attack me at all, but it had like – Man, like honestly, like it looked like it's like I felt it snarled at me. I didn't hear it snarl, right? But it, that was the impression that I got. And um, like I, I think about it, it was like if like you walked into somewhere where a lion was, right? And the lion decides he's not going to kill you, but he just lets you know that he's the lion, right? Like I was like, that's what this thing is. It's it's the king of this jungle here, right? You know. You did originally tell me that there was a predatory aspect to it. I guess that's what you mean, that it is it is dangerous, but not necessarily... Like, so, so it, it, man, it honestly had aspects of that predator creature from the movie about it, right? Like, that was, that was the sort of, like, that ticking, whatever noise that that thing makes, right? Like, that's... I didn't hear it make it, but that's the feeling that I got, like, that whole... Um, yeah, like, 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 I don't know what this thing is, man. It's bad, but you know, like, yeah, you said to me also, it's boss dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't go after it, right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't get a band of a hundred guys to go and try and hunt it down. You'd let it do its thing. You'd move away. Did it appear intelligent? I'm gonna have to say yes. Okay, so it wasn't a herd animal, right? It wasn't like. You know, something that needs to wait for its boss to tell it what to do and then it's going to run. Like this thing was like a cat or a predator, like the dominant uh, thing in its ecosystem. And apex predator. Apex predator. Yeah, that's, that's, yes, that's the word. Thank you, Jess. Whatever you want to call intelligence, right? Like he's not fucking programming computers, but he's he's got everything else stitched up, you know? Yeah, you got the impression that it was capable of thinking definitely man it looked at me and it knew that it was like it wasn't trying to figure out what it was looking at like is it like is this some strange thing like it it looked at me and with knowing and and was you know I never thought was it intelligent before but it looked at me like like not like a cow or a kangaroo looks at you like it looked at me like uh, like it was paying like, attention like a shark looks at you or something right like you know like it was it was meant business and knew what it was going to do if it wanted to do it whilst we're talking about gut feelings did you feel like it was flesh and blood or perhaps something else like I don't know if it was made of flesh or blood or if it was made out of pure rock but it was definitely a tangible thing in this world it wasn't a spirit or an entity or there there was no ethereal quality to it whatsoever 
but that being said, someone else asked me this question and a uh, similar question and, and I was a little bit offended, like as, as if they were asking if I'd imagined it or if it was a ghost or something. But it ended up what they were asking was, did I think that it might have come through a porthole or some sort of like like wormhole other dimension from you know and, and it was here now and, and then maybe not here again later and and if this is and, and in that case like like definitely I think that there's that aspect to it um, the the place where I was right the cracks in the rock you know you can put your hand as far as you can, but the crack keeps on going. It's a deep crack. I don't know where it goes. It could go to the center of the earth or it could go somewhere else. Uh, like, so this is a hundred percent a possibility. You mentioned that your father, you'd taken your father there. Could you talk about that? Yeah. So, so I was going to move into the cave, like and live there for, for a few months. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was my plan for a little bit. Uh, I took my dad there to give me a hand to do a few things and he had a funny feeling about it. He said he didn't like the back part of the cave and there's a crack like through the back part of the cave too and that's where I was intending to sleep and he just said he didn't think it was a good idea and as circumstances turned out, I ended up not being able to stay there and and this pleased him a lot. So he, he got a really weird feeling from the cave and the crack in the rock that was in the back of the cave. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he, 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 yeah, he didn't like it at all. He was the first one to mention anything about portholes long before the other guy asked me about it and I never even thought it about it again after he mentioned it and when I saw the Mimi and, like, anything until fucking now, bro, actually. Yeah, gotcha, yeah. yeah. We can only speculate, but as far as gut feelings go... Do you have a feeling on whether it was just hiding in the rock and then you spooked it out or did it show itself to you on purpose? Do you have any gut feelings on that sort of thing? Uh, I have no gut feelings, but I used to walk this track at least 20 times a day, every day. All right, up and back. It's a long walk. Uh, I was carrying stuff and, man, I'm sure the lizards knew when I was walking up there and the ants. So, yeah, the, uh, unless this thing just accidentally popped up, no, no way, bro, of course he knew what's going on. I don't know why I saw him this day, right? Or if he tried to show himself to me, I, I, I haven't, but... <clears throat> but there's no two ways that he didn't fucking know what was going on. Gotcha. So you don't, you don't feel there's any possibility he caught him off guard. Can you catch a cat off guard, right? The thing can be asleep for six hours, right? And you, you do something near it and it's, it's all over you. Like, like this thing, you couldn't catch it off guard. It's like a funnel web on fucking steroids. So, Max, has the encounter changed your life in any way, uh, for better or worse? Not in the greatest scheme of things at all, really, but uh, I'm very appreciative to have, like, had the experience. Uh, I've got a bit of a funny life and I have funny experiences, um, you know, semi-regular occurrence, and I, and I like it. I love it. Like, and so I just say thank you, <laughs> but of course. It's quite a special experience. Did you get an impression whether it was male or female? Nah, man. It looked like a lizard or, you know, like you can't, nah, nothing yeah. at all. Asexual. All right, so you, you didn't see a little a little stick creature doodle? <laughs> I was looking for one, but no, nah, I didn't see it. <laughs> all right. Did you get an impression of the age of it? No. Nah, like I, I thought it looked full grown. And when I spoke to my mate and he said, like, yeah, the tall things that hide behind trees. And I said, it wasn't tall. It was like a meter at the most. And he just said, oh, it's, a, it's a baby one. So he was, he was positive that that's a baby one. 
He, he, like when I told him what I saw, right, he said, it's a, he goes, it's a main mate, right? They hide behind trees. Like he, he knew, like he was, when I told him, he, he straight away said, I know what you're talking about. And then described the tall things. I'm like, nah, this thing wasn't tall, bro, right? It's small and skinny. And he goes, it's a baby. So he had absolute conviction that that's a baby one. Yeah, like as convinced as he was when he told me what it was, like he was certain that it was a baby one. I was like, that there's, a, that there's a dog and that there's a baby dog. So I find it interesting that you mentioned it had no hips and no shoulders because I came across a YouTube channel by a bloke who calls himself Aqua Chigger, C-H-I-G-G-E-R. I believe in America, a chigger is a type of insect, a critter. He digs down into sinkholes on people's properties and he finds underground water courses. So when he's in there, he actually crawls around with a GoPro and it's quite incredible because the landscape appears to be crisscrossed with these underground creeks and he crawls into them. He wears a wetsuit quite often because of the temperature. And with the GoPro, he shows how there's these little critter holes where burrowing animals will find their way down into these underground creeks. And quite often too, it's, it appears that trees will grow above these creeks and the taproot will find their way down to the creek. And then when the tree dies, the taproot dies and rots away and leaves again another little critter hole. I was blown away by that. And when you first told me about this, I couldn't help but speculate as to whether this creature not having shoulders and hips would give it an advantage in crawling around in these underground watercourses. I can't help but wonder if being a stick insect gives it an advantage in living in these little crevices. And is it just coincidence that you've seen it just on dusk when the Aboriginals say they come out and it's left a crevice, climbed up a rock and taken off? I kind of have to wonder if it was leaving one watercourse because perhaps he was stomping around on its roof and it's decided to run off to the next one. Subterranean, like, watercourses, man, they're 100%, like, when I was young, bro, right, I used to go, uh, like, one of my best friends was, his parents were both heavily involved with SES, right? And so we used to go and camping with them all the time, okay? And one of the places we'd go a lot was Bungonia. You ever been there? No. Right, so Bungonia Caves, right? It's just like a national park, right, that not many people are allowed into or you're allowed into certain bits because it's just fucking riddled with caves, right? Makes Genolan Caves look like an, like, like an daycare, you know? And... um. So we'd go there with the SES because they'd be doing all their training, practicing abseiling like 100 metres free or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, and then like roping back out or rappelling out or whatever. My mate's dad, he, he always had the theory that all the caves were linked, right? He goes, all of them have water in them. Not all the time, but there's always water coming through them at different times, right? He goes, I believe, like this is his firm belief, right? He goes, I either want to get a die and put it in a cave and see where it flows through, or I want to follow each. He goes, the crack might be only as big as a keyhole, but every cave is linked. So, I mean, it just appears to me, and as soon as you mentioned it to me, it appeared to me that it seems to be built for living in crevices of rock and transverse through tight spaces. The only thing is, right, like... For sure, bro, there's a watercourse on the top of the rock layer underneath whatever's here, right? And there's, there's got to be cracks in that rock. Well, as far as underground watercourses, of course, there's plateaus, especially here on the ridges, that water doesn't all just run off the top. remember hearing a while back that someone did put dye into the underground water sources here in Wiseman's and it came out in Sydney. So I think it's quite plausible that these creatures appear to have a physiology that's designed to live in tight spaces, in cracks, in rocks, 
Wiseman's Ferry is the perfect place for them. It's quite plausible that they could be living underground here and only show themselves at dusk when most predators have trouble seeing. And they could be moving from one different set of underground caves to another set. Thanks again for talking to me, Max. I know there was a while there where you weren't ready to share this encounter, so I appreciate it, and I'm pretty stoked to be able to share it with my good friend Sarah B and the EOE Central crew. Um, I hope you've all found it as fascinating as I have. I know when I first heard about it, it put me on the floor, so I hope you enjoy it. That was Jesse and Max from Wiseman's Ferry in New South Wales. How strange was that creature? Let me know if you've heard of or seen a Mimi. You can contact me via the Yowie Central Facebook group or via yowiecentral at gmail.com. You're listening to Yowie Central on the best little station in the nation, 94.9 Main FM. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Next up, I thought I'd play you an excerpt from a chat I had a couple of months ago with the Bigfoot researchers and hosts of the American podcast, Creek Devil, Tom and Will. I'm actually interviewing them this week, so stay tuned to hear about their own sightings and encounters, and I'll play it for you in the next couple of weeks. Okay, so what else do we have? You have a ton of stuff. All right, so... Because you mentioned an interest in in the little boy seeing one of these creatures actually vocalising, which he did, um, I another another witness I interviewed last year. He had a, a sighting, a, a Yowie sighting, uh, at a place called Bellbird Grove, which is about seventeen twenty kilometres southwest of Brisbane, which is the capital city of Queensland, uh, and north in the northeast of the country. Not far from a, actually a major city, but there's there's quite a lot of bushland around this area and it connects to other national parks. Now, this and this this happened just last year in 2020. Uh, he, this guy's a, a an athlete. He's a scientist and an athlete and walks kilometers and runs kilometers every day. So he would often go to this 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 park area for, to to run and walk because it's. Um, we were, it was a COVID lockdown at the time. There was no one around. Um, I think he'd snuck out just because he was desperate for a walk. And he he came across, he, he hears this sort of rock clacking noise in the distance and goes off track, decides to investigate. Now, because of the direction he came up the, the bed of this creek that was mostly dry but with little little pools of water in it, he suddenly comes across uh, a creature that's about five foot tall, hairy, yowie looking, um, clocking, clacking, rat, clacking rocks in this creek bed, almost like it was playing, having fun, like a little kid mucking around in the water in the in the 
ankle deep water. Uh, so this creature spots him, sort of turns its and then turns its head to the bank of the creek and purses its lips as though to make a little sound. Uh, he couldn't hear anything where he was, but it looked like it was making a, a sound. So it's turned its head to this bank and where it turns its head to, this huge uh, six, seven-foot creature comes stomping down the creek bed, obviously been summoned by little by Junior, and looks at this witness and opens its mouth and roars at him. He was terrified. He didn't know anything about Yowies beforehand, very sceptical man. He turned and ran for his life and he said, I, I think because he's a sprinter, he said, I think I did my personal best getting out of there. Uh, absolutely terrified and, in fact, so frightened and he couldn't tell his family. He, he didn't feel like he, he could tell his, his wife or children that they would ridicule him and think he was crazy. He ended up going to a doctor, obviously didn't tell the doctor exactly what had happened but said that he was having trouble sleeping and um, really anxious so he was, he was given some anti-anxiety medication. Um, and he's, he's since been back... Uh, we did a we, Australian Now We Research created a video out of that chat that I had with him. But uh, a, a month or two later, they went back with Dean Harrison and the team uh, to. So we've got another video of of that area, and even going back to the area with three other men, he was he still said, "I'm not staying here after dark, and I'm really anxious." And you could tell he was really anxious, even being there with three other blokes. Um, so yeah, quite an incredible story. It's, it's way beyond incredible. And what I find, this is just amazing. The little one pursed its lips, summoning, making an ultrasound, presumably. Yep. An inaudible sound and it summoned the big creature. Exactly. It's very interesting. Yeah, and and where the big so the boys have gone back to exactly that spot. They were able to identify exactly where that was, and they worked out that if the what we think is mum or dad, if they're, if they're sitting on the bank, they'd actually position themselves to be able to see the the walking track. But so it was actually purpose. It seemed to have purposely sat itself there to be able to see a walking track in both directions while little Junior was having a play in the creek. Um, But because this witness had come off the path and was coming up the creek bed, he wouldn't have been seen, which is what happened, wasn't seen until the last minute and then all of a sudden he's there and little Junior's Junior's going, oh, there's a a stranger, Mum, Dad. (laughs) And uh, and then mum, dad came to the rescue. Right. And this guy just, you know, it's, it's really too bad um, that there's not more of a recognition that these creatures exist. I'm, I'm you know, there's kind of a part of me or big part of me that hopes that that's going to change. And, you know, maybe even these discussions that we're having today will sort of help break some ground on this topic. Because uh, I think it's as much as it gets, um, you know, kind of a silly treatment here in the U.S. I think there's more of a uh, a much broader acceptance. <clears throat> excuse me, uh, not only by common people but also quietly within professional um, community as well. You know, different types of professions. So it'd be great if down the road, you know, some family therapist or something could, you know, see clear, I guess, to sort of accept this, you know, so you could go in there and just kind of unburden yourself. Look, this is what I saw. You know, it's not my fault. Don't blame me. But they were there. I saw them. This is what I experienced. We actually have two two psychologists who have had their own sightings, so have offered if, if there is anyone that we speak to who's acutely distressed and needs counselling, 
that they're more than happy to talk to them over the phone because they've actually had their own experiences. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that is absolutely golden. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's so difficult. Uh, it's really challenging for people who, who are struggling with what, what happened with what they saw, especially if they can't unburden themselves to their family. Um, it's, it's a, it's a really, for some people it's, it's so life changing, so paradigm changing that they are, are so shaken. Um, it's really, it's hard if you don't get, if you don't, if you can't tell someone about it, if you can't get that off your chest, if you can't sort of process it with someone else. Yeah. And I think that's very important to, um, to be able to process it because otherwise you're just carrying this, this weight kind of heavy burden and you're isolated. Where do, where do you turn to? How can you share it with somebody? Yeah. And then you, you second guess yourself and you think, well, well, maybe I am crazy. Maybe I'm, I was having a psychotic episode and that was all in my imagination. Uh, I, I, a lot of people have doubted their own sanity, I think. Yes. Yeah. All right. So what, uh, what other kind of um, stories and encounters? You got a lot of interesting stuff to share with us. Yeah. So the next one I thought I'd tell you about happened in down in my state in Victoria, which is in the southeast of Australia. And this happened in the Barma State Forest, which is on the Murray River. Now, the Murray is a, a huge river like perhaps you could just so it was similar to the Mississippi or something like that. It's one of the, in fact, they're one of the biggest, if not the biggest, longest river in Australia. And um, this guy was, and this happened about in 2007. He was camping by himself. He, he was one of those guys who liked to get away just by himself and, in fact, would ride a, a bicycle with his tent and everything on it through forests. So he didn't even have a car. Uh, camping by himself in a tent and was asleep but some, at some point woke up and heard uh, a growl right near his tent and he had no idea what it was and then he started seeing something that looked like a finger pushing the outside of the tent, like testing it to see in it or just something was poking the tent and he said it it looked like a finger he started getting absolutely terrified because he heard this this deep horrific growl that was just a, a really scary monster growl as far as he was concerned and all of a sudden and so he's sort of slunk down under his blanket sleeping bag and covered his head with it like a little kid as probably most of us would do and all of a sudden the, the tent collapses in on him and the, the, the being has knelt down on the tent and over him and is basically straddling him but not, not with its entire weight. So it's, and, and it's feeling through the tent, feeling and through the blanket that he had covering his face, feel, feeling his face. And he said that the hands were were as big as basketballs and the fingers were like sausage rolls, which here in Australia that's a a sausage in pastry. So big, fat, chunky fingers were feeling the outline of his face and his body and his shoulders and his legs. (laughs) And he was, I mean, I I was just imagining myself going, I would be, I would definitely need, (laughs) definitely need clean underpants after that one for sure, but you'd be, absolutely terrified so he's holding his breath until and didn't want to breathe was just playing dead and then this creature kind of gets up off the tent and the tent pops back up and then it just moves away for a little bit but stays there because he could still hear it for about half an hour just watching the tent Uh, and so can you imagine lying in a tent by yourself in the middle of the forest no one around you haven't got a car even to escape in and a huge creature jumps on you and is feeling your the outline of your face through the tent oh sarah i gotta share something with you (laughs) 
Go on, tell me. Now, 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 our listeners have heard this before, and it's in one of my books. But when we were teenagers and really just beginning to get involved in all this, um, right after I met John Green and Renee Hinden, you know, we decided to start looking in our respective areas for the signs of these creatures. And one of the guys said that um, th- there was a family by the name of Clark uh, out in this kind of a very rural area, and they had a farm. And they've been hearing some really weird screams out there for the past week or so. So we got permission to go out on their property, which was fairly extensive. And uh, so we hiked back in there and, and not being the best prepared, we didn't have much in the way of flashlights or anything. But, you know, we packed a tent and some food and off we went. And I, I don't know what time it was. It was fairly late that night, probably around 10, 11 o'clock. And uh, we'd been hearing screams around us. They would start, and it was just it was just a whole series of weird events that were going on. We were paying attention to this. So one of the guys decided, there were four of us now, one of the guys decided he wanted to go to sleep. He was getting tired. So I theorized that we probably should work in pairs. So two of us would be up while the other two would sleep and, and rotate. And and the guy that was his partner didn't want to go to sleep, so I said, all right, look, just go to sleep. We'll We'll figure this out. So the other three of us were sitting around the fire in front of the tent, quietly talking. And after maybe 20 minutes, we hear this rustling going on inside the tent. And we're thinking, what the heck's going on? And of course, you know, teenagers were making fun of what he might be doing in there. So um, after a few moments of this, he came <laughs> rushing out. And he was kind of a big guy. And he, and he was really ticked off. And he says, it's not very damn funny, you guys, messing with me. Now, The tent was one of these really old cabin tents, uh, heavy-duty canvas, probably made in the 60s, and it didn't have a floor on it, six feet high, no floor. So I said, look, that's a a great idea. None of us thought of it, you know, but (laughs) so none of us did it, right? So I said, explain to us what it was that happened. I said, are you sure you didn't fall asleep? He said, no, I just, I got in there and I, I was just letting the listen to you guys talk. He said, then suddenly I thought one of you guys were reaching under the edge of the tent to get something out of the pack so you wouldn't disturb me by coming through the door. And and then grabbed me. And I said, what do you mean grabbed you? And he was laying on his stomach and he said it, it grabbed his lower back. Now, he was a big guy. And and I said, okay, show me on your lower back and, and above the belt line. We were teasing him about it, grabbing him lower, but <laughs> um, I said, okay, so from the base of the base of the palm, show me from the base of the palm. You felt that, right? And he says, yes. Okay, so show me from there to the where its fingertips ended. Where did that, where did those two points come, come on your back? And it would have been close to two feet long. Wow. <laughs> and I said, now, wait a minute. Now, if this really happened, there has to be some kind of proof of this. So I said, okay, let's get the one flashlight we have and hope the batteries are working. And sure enough, we found 18-inch footprints leading back into the, the forest behind the tent. And and what really got me was I was kneeling down at the corner of the tent. The other two guys were sitting in front of the door. And where this creature had knelt down, there was a big bowl-like depression. And it was right behind where I was kneeling. And I didn't hear a thing. Right. <laughs> oh my God, that is so scary. <laughs> it was it was a proverbial underwear changing moment. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, and uh, of course, I mean, this poor fella uh, di- didn't sleep for the rest of the night, and and uh, just was waiting until daybreak so he could pack up and get the hell out of there. You know, it, we we call it the Clark Clark Ranch incident, but you know, we privately we teased him about being groped. <laughs> <laughs> we knew, there we was knew a, the real reason they were there. <laughs> some nice lady Bigfoot <laughs> got the hots for but you. <laughs> it, it was such a similar. That's such a similar incident to the one you just related to us. Yeah, yeah, isn't it? I I don't know how though he kept his cool. Uh, I mean, I. I've tried. I've tried to picture the situation and what I would do, and maybe in that fight, flight, freeze, you're frozen. Um, 
But I, I guess you're just hoping it goes away. <laughs> yeah. And he, he was like, I, I held my breath and he was, he was saying, I, I wasn't sure for how much longer I would be able to hold my breath. Um, and then it fight, luckily it got off, it got off him before, <laughs> before he had to take in a breath, but he was holding his breath for a long time. Oh boy. Our, our response was to build the fire even bigger. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> One of those, exactly. you could see my satellite, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. They're the best kind. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But there was another, um, on that same river, uh, which is the, so the Murray River, uh, and it's it, it's actually the border of New South Wales and Victoria for some of the river, and very wide, very fast flowing, uh, strong, massive river, and uh, a little bit further down river from where that guy had his enca- encounter, um, this other man was was camping on the on the banks of the river at a place called Dufty's Beach on one of the the sandy river banks, and. He was in his tent and he heard splashing through the water along the, coming down the, the edge of the bank as though something was walking on, on the bank of the river but splashing through the water and he said it was like very heavy bipedal footsteps um, and he he got out of his he got out of his tent he didn't see anything except for two uh, two red glowing eyes that were about eight foot tall. Uh, it was very dark. Um, and then the creature ran for the river when he realised that this guy was, was up out of his tent. The creature runs for the river, dives in and swims directly across the river. This is against the current, like any human being would have been swept down the river. He puts his his spotlight onto the creature in the water, so he caught the back of its head, big, hairy, uh, you know, dark brown back of the head, but it, it managed to swim straight across the river and climb up the bank from there, which is unheard of. It, there's no way a human being could do that. Way too strong, the river. Yeah, that's interesting also because we get reports of that Actually, Will does. Uh, we have a river here in in Oregon, between Oregon and Washington. It's the, uh, I think it's the second largest river in the U.S., the Columbia River. And they routinely, there's a certain section where people see these things swimming across the river. And that is no small river. Yeah. And you can imagine the, the, the strength required to swim across a wide, fast-flowing river is quite immense. Yeah, absolutely. That was Will and Tom from Creek Devil Podcast. Remember, if you've had any strange and mysterious experiences, and you'd like to come on the show and share your story with the Yowie Central listeners, let me know via yowiecentral at gmail.com or via the Yowie Central Facebook group. I love hearing your stories and I promise I won't think you're crazy. That's it for this week, folks. Yowie Central will be back next week. Same time, same place on 94.9 Main FM. I'll catch you next week. Out in the cold, out in the dark, something's lurking at the edge of the park. People be warned, people beware, there's a storm on the rise and it's covered in hair. Hear him cry, hear him howl, looking for someone to disembowel. Claws like a hook, eyes like coal, feet so big they're going to crush your soul. They call him. Sasquatch Out in the night when nobody can see Under the darkness behind the tree Is he a monster? Is he a man? Is he a demon under Satan's command? Hear him cry, hear him howl Looking for someone to disembowel Claws like a hook, eyes like coal Feet so big they're gonna crush your soul
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.